Welcome to Your Story Matters, the show where we share inspiring stories from all around the world. After you've listened to this one, why don't you tell us yours? Share your story at yourstorymatters.net. But first, here's your host, speaker and writer, Angela Schaefers. Today I have the privilege of talking with Victoria Michaels. She is a pastor, songwriter, recording artist, and author of several books, her current being I Am My Father's Daughter. Victoria will be sharing about her story today and her mission to encourage and inspire others. Hi, Victoria. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Such a great privilege to be on your show. I'm so excited to have you here today and to share about all the things that you're doing. There's so many things that you're involved with and some organizations that you've founded that we're going to talk about later in the show. But before we talk about those things or even your newest book, can you share with the listeners some of your story, some of your history and background that kind of led up to what you do today? Oh, my goodness. How many hours do you have or how many days? (laughs) (laughs) I know. There's always a lot to it. But but share with us the basics and, and maybe some of the things that really impacted you the most. Yes, 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 yes. My life has been very, very interesting, and it's it's also, I tell people that I am a miracle. When you talk about what the power of God can accomplish, mm. just look at my life, and you, you will believe God without any doubt. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Nigeria. I'm the first born of five children. My parents are pastors. And growing up, I've always been a very passionate person. I've always been a dreamer. I've always been someone that want to pursue whatever I want to do with my life. Mm -hmm. And I thought that I was going to pursue fashion and music because those were the two things that I truly enjoyed. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know that God had greater plans for me. The only thing I realized was I, God just blessed us with two wonderful parents and they were truly prayerful. And my father, especially who he was born again, then my father was always on his knees praying, even though growing up, I was rebellious. I, 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 I didn't want to have nothing to do with God. I didn't mm. want to have anything to do with Christianity. Then it's okay for me to go to church, but I didn't want to give my, I didn't want to give my life to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And the reason that was because in my mind, I felt that if I surrender to God, if I surrender to the Lord, then I will not be able to express my creativity. I will not be able to have fun. That's how I, 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 I felt mm-hmm. because I saw so many people that were Christians that had a very boring life, and I didn't want to mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> so makes a I mean, lot of sense. I love that you shared that because yes. that makes a lot of sense. There are many people, especially the younger you are, that just avoid things that could be very, very good for them because they look at how other people's lives are. But it's so important to focus on our own life and our own purpose. But I love that you shared your real feelings and thoughts at that time. Yes. What was it like growing up in Nigeria versus the U.S.? And when did you come to the U.S.? I came into the U.S. um, That was uh, March 1990. Mm-hmm. 
And it was completely different in the sense that um, in, in growing up in Nigeria, we, it's more of a community in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not just about your parents, your immediate family. No, it was a community um, in, our, in, our, in our culture. Um, it, it's the community that raised the child, not just your parents. Right. So I've always had families around me, always neighbors around you, and um, I've always been very close to my family. I love my family, and I was very close to them. So coming to America was totally different. I was coming here to go back to go to school and to to pursue my dreams, my destiny. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up somewhere in my mind, I always knew that I was different. I always knew that I was meant to be successful. I mm-hmm. knew it. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't explain it. So I just assumed that it was going to take fashion and music, the entertainment world, to give me that fame. Mm-hmm. So I came here on getting to America. I didn't really have family here. I didn't really have my parents were not here, being the oldest. So I missed family so much. But I had a woman that was like an aunt to me who was very wonderful to me. So when I got here... There was that I didn't really see that community culture. Everybody seems to mind their business, and it was weird. It was mm-hmm. strange at first. It was mm-hmm. strange at first, like oh gosh, everybody just like mind their own business. Everybody don't really get together. Mm-hmm. But but it was here really that the seed that my father, my parents had sown into me, the seed of, of God, because growing up in my, in my parents' home, it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not, we had a family altar. Every night, the family came together to pray. Mm-hmm. Every morning, everybody would have to wake up, we come and worship and pray before we go to school. So that seed was already in me. So when I get, go here and... There were problems. I call it my wilderness years. At place time, I was actually seeking God. What do I do? Mm-hmm. I go here. There was doors for modeling for me to go into modeling. But God arrested me. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. It's like God was waiting for me in America. Like, okay, come to America and you will meet with me here. So every night I found myself crying, saying, Lord, I know you are real. Just reveal yourself to me. So that's how my journey started, you know, a journey of personal relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. It was no longer about what my parents had told me. Now, the Lord allowed me to know that he loves me unconditionally mm-hmm. and that I could still like my fashion, I could still like my music, that I could still be me, I, did, I could still look beautiful, I could still embrace whom he called me to be and love him. Mm. So this is where my my walk with the Lord really started from. Mm-hmm. And so I fell in love with the Lord passionately. I tell people that I, I'm, I'm not just, I just don't love the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm in love with Him because coming to Him really transformed my entire life. I ended up not pursuing fa- fashion. I ended up not pursuing the music I came for. And then I got involved in my local church. I joined the worship team. 
and I began to use my creativity in music, but mm-hmm. the music was different. Now I was a worshiper. I began to worship the Lord. Mm-hmm. I still like, I still have passion for my fashion design, which is still a, a passion for me till today, but in a different way. And then I began to find my true self in him that now I was fulfilled. Mm-hmm. I was happy to be in God. So that's mm-hmm. how the journey started mm-hmm. for me. Let me ask you, because that's a big, big move to go from a country that you're familiar with, that you were raised in, that holds all the people dear to you, to come to another country that you're not familiar, you don't know the customs, the practices, you don't know a lot of people. And as you said, there is a different sense of community here in the U.S. than there are in other some other countries. Yes. Can you tell the listeners how you dealt with those early years of adjusting to this new life and besides your faith and your prayer which which is obviously extremely important and seeking god in that journey are there tangible tips that you can share with the listeners to get through such a huge transition in life because there are many people that maybe don't come from other countries but they come from one life to a whole different life Yes. To, to feeling alone, to feeling lost, to not knowing which door is the right door, to having sometimes experiences that aren't good, that are painful, that are sad. What can you share with our listeners to help them that you learned in, in this journey? Actually, what helped me during that time, because it was a very lonely Mm-hmm. The only season in my life, I was always crying because I missed my parents, I missed my siblings. But one of the things that really helped me out was even though I was living in America and my parents were in Nigeria, they were always calling me, mm-hmm. always. I, they could call me every day, especially my dad. He would call me every day. Are you okay? And I used to lie to them, yes, I'm okay. Mm. I want them to get worried that I was lonely. Then also the woman who was my aunt, she really helped me. She, she was so, so good to me. Uh, she, she used to talk to me about the culture here, about the American ways and all that. I'm a fast learner also. Mm-hmm. I'm a fast learner. And I think another thing that grounded me, because looking back, it's very easy to get into trouble, to get involved mm-hmm. with the wrong people. It's so easy. Yes. But what helped me grounded was that I've always been a principled person. Always. I was always a principled person. And the woman that called my aunt, I, list, I, I, I listened to her. I, I did. I, um, I wasn't going to the club. I wasn't doing any of those things. I was more of a home person. And, and I think that was, again, what drew me to the Lord in prayer. Because now I'm here. I didn't have the family, so I was, I was afraid. There was mm-hmm. fear in my heart, like, oh, gosh, what am I going to do now? And they told me all these stories about you have to be careful. You don't get involved with the wrong people. So the fear was there. So what helped me grounded was the woman, my aunt. I listened to her. I stayed close to her. And then I went back to school. So mm-hmm. the school also kept me busy. And um, then before I got involved with the church and mm-hmm. all that. So it sounds like a smart thing to do when you're having a huge transition in your life is to find at least one or two people that can support you, to stay connected to your family and friends that are maybe not nearby, and to find community, to find a school to go to and attend, a church, 
some sort of group that you can be a part of and be nurtured in instead of feeling completely alone. Extremely important, mm-hmm. extremely. Because I say to people, if you, if, you, if you hang out with the wrong people, they can easily destroy your life. Mm-hmm. So when you come to a country like I did, it's, it's wisdom. It's wisdom to, to be careful who you hang around with, but look for people that can mentor you and yes. put you on the right track. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I'm assuming that for you, like, like everyone, the best thing to do is to take one day at a time, to not yes. be so worried and stressed out about next week and next month and next year, because it seems yes. like when we do that, we get lost even more and more worried and afraid. And so one day at a time to get up and do your best. That's exactly how it must be. Victoria, what was it that affected you that made you want to write the books that you've written? You've written several great titles. I haven't read yet any of your books. Can you share some of the titles and maybe talk about why you started to write and what your mission is in the stories that you've been writing, the books you've been writing? Every book that I've written so far has a story. Mm-hmm. Every book, I'm also a songwriter. My songs have stories. I tell people that I'm not your conventional type writer. I don't get up in the morning and say, yeah, I'm going to write a book today. Mm-hmm. It's always by an inspiration, really, from the Holy Spirit or from my own experience. I remember many years ago before I wrote my first book, which is called Uncommon Faith, Uncommon Miracles. I didn't know that I was going to write a book. I mm-hmm. love to write journals. I like, like at bedtime, when anything that happened to me, I like to write it down. I always, it's a habit. Mm-hmm. It's a habit to write down my, my experiences or what happened during the day. So that's something I, I, I do. But through the years, before I wrote my first book, I remember the Lord said to me one time, write. And I said to the Lord, but I'm not a writer. Mm-hmm. Even though I had so many life experiences, so many life experiences that I could have put down in book form, but I never saw myself as a writer. Then after a long time, I remember going to a conference and a couple of people came there. They were saying to me, God says, write. So this book, the first book on common faith, on common miracle, really is about my life story. Mm-hmm. It was how I was very sick. I was extremely sick after my children, my last born, I was pregnant with my last born and I almost died, mm-hmm. almost died with my baby. And I remember what, while I was pregnant with this child, the Lord, I had, I was praying one day and the Lord said to me, give him Emmanuel because I am with you. Mm-hmm. And I said to the Lord, no, I don't want to give him Emmanuel because my baby brother was Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. So I went through that pregnancy at the at six uh, six almost seven, almost seven months six and a half almost seven months pregnancy. One day I was in my house and I had these strange feelings. There was no pain. There was no external symptom, but I was feeling funny. So I called my gynecologist and I said, "This is some feeling." And they, they didn't take me seriously, but mm-hmm. I persuaded them that I had to go to the hospital. So they told me, okay, just go to the hospital and, you know, we'll check you out. So I drove myself over half an hour drive to the hospital. Mm-hmm. On getting to the hospital, I packed my car, 
And I came out of the car and I couldn't walk anymore. Mm. And they took me to the hospital. They checked me out. And the doctor says, oh, the baby's fine. You're fine. Go home. I said, okay. But I was crying. I knew something wasn't right. But they couldn't find out. I couldn't explain it well. Mm. So I got up from the bed to dress up. And my entire life took a new turn. Immediately, I got up from the bed. I began to hemorrhage. Mm. The nurse was standing there. She froze. She didn't know how to help me. It was another patient in the same room that the patient's uh, family ran to rescue me and lifted me up and put me on the bed. Within 24 hours, I almost died mm. because I was hemorrhaging. The doctors couldn't stop it. They couldn't figure out what was wrong. And they told, they had to ask my husband, who also was a physician, and they said to him to make the toughest decision any man could be asked to make. And they told him to choose between me and my unborn baby because we were going to die if mm. he didn't make that decision. So here I was, I was laying on the bed. My uh, right hand side was already paralyzed. I couldn't move it anymore. And I was just bleeding. So finally, my husband had to make the decision that, okay, please save the life of my wife. Mm. And the doctor now came in and told us that they were going to induce a pregnancy, uh, that because it's still early, the baby might not be able to breathe on his own. The baby might be deformed, even if he survived it. And they told me all this, but throughout... Even though I couldn't pray now, I was just worshiping. I would cry and worship as I lay down on the bed. I remember the word that God gave to me in my first trimester when the Lord said to me, give this baby Emmanuel because I am with you. Mm. So that word kept coming back to me. So I held on to that word. So the doctors came and they said, okay, we're going to induce you within one hour. If it doesn't work, then we have to take the baby out through cessation because I was losing too much of blood. Mm -hmm. So they moved me into the, uh, the, the uh, delivery room. On getting there, I lay down on the bed. My husband was sleeping on the couch and I went into a trance and I remembered I saw a baby boy, beautiful baby boy, crying in a crib to my left-hand side. Mm. So I opened my eyes, and I recognized there was no crib in the room, and there was no baby. So immediately I began to say, thank you, Lord, my baby is alive, my baby is healthy. So less than an hour, I went into labor, and let me tell you, Miss Angela, for you to know that God is a miracle worker. Do you know the baby came out of my womb, cried out, and held his father's finger. Mm. And the doctors, the nurses, they were all dumbfounded. They said, this is a miracle. How can this be? How can this be? This baby's lungs is not strong enough. How can this be? Mm -hmm. My baby came out three pounds, one and a half ounces. And they put him in the NICU, and every day, but morning, afternoon, night, they will me. And I used to put this baby, it looks like a can of soda. He was mm. so tiny. Mm -hmm. I'll put him on my bare chest, and now we begin to speak life into this child. I'll call him Emmanuel, and I will speak to him. I'll declare the word of God over him. He will not die. You will live. I began to do that every day. But I believe in the word of God. 
So I spoke. And that's how my baby came out of the first uh, intensive care. And the doctor says, we're going to move him because now he's putting on weight. They move him to another session. And he came and he was, he, he, he was able to uh, make it. Mm. And, then, and the, the news I have today is that my son now, um, he's 15 years old. He's over six foot tall. He never had any medical problem. God gave me that miracle. Mm, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. I love to hear stories of hope and faith and miracles for sure. Can you talk to the listeners a little bit about, you have one or two different organizations. Talk about your organizations that you founded and what the purpose is behind the organization. Um, I am the founder of Glorious Ministries Worldwide. Uh, what the ministry is all about is bringing hope to the world. And through Acts of Glorious Ministries, we also have Tabernacle of Praise Churches. I also host Prophetic Voice Television broadcast. But my greatest passion is seeing lives discover their purpose, develop it, and to fulfill it. And through that, I've gone to nations. I travel a lot. I have extensive schedule. I travel to the nations just talking to people and speaking to women, encouraging them to rise up to become all that they can be. Mm -hmm. And that's what brought me to writing this new book, I Am My Father's Daughter. Um, as I travel the nations, I, figure, I find out that so many women, powerful women, that holds corporation, women that are, that are homemakers, I realized that we women were struggling with the same issues. I personally also had issues with low self-esteem, rejection, and that came about because I was in a relationship before I got married with someone who was insecure, who used to tell me, you are not beautiful, you're not powerful, you're nothing. Mm. And I almost believed it. Mm -hmm. Thank God that I grew up in a home where my father, my parents were very close to us, the children, and they used to tell us, you can become anything you want to be if you put your mind to it. Mm -hmm. So I came out of that relationship because I recognized this is not true. I know I'm a beautiful woman. Mm -hmm. I know I'm very smart. So as I traveled the nations, I realized that this was a major problem. Yes. So one day I was in my house and the Lord again, like I said, it was an inspiration I heard in my in my, in my inner mind, I heard that voice, I am my father's daughter. And I realized that I wasn't talking about my biological father, whom I love so much. I knew it was about my heavenly father. So I began to uh, quote the scriptures. I am strong. I am the head and I am not tail. So that's how this book came about, helping women, encouraging women to become all that God has called them to do. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the parts of my organization, just taking the gospel of hope the gospel of life, of power to people, regardless of your nationality, regardless of your, your, your story, whether you've been divorced, whether you're single, whether you're widowed, whether, no, it doesn't matter what your story is. I want people to know you can always rise up to become everything that God has called you to be if you dare to believe God who is your heavenly father and if you dare to believe in the seed of greatness, the seed of destiny that God put inside of us at the time of creation. Mm, I love that. And I love that you shared 
about part of your story of having been in a relationship that wasn't good for you and wasn't healthy. And we know that many, many women go through those types of relationships or, or are still in them. You talked about realizing that what your partner at that time was telling you wasn't true, that you knew yeah. there was a, a bigger truth about you. Can you share with the listeners, for all of those women out there who are in that relationship right now, who are afraid to move on, who are afraid to let go, who maybe even don't believe in themselves anymore, yeah. how do you get out of that situation? How do you take that step? to walk away from those people, whether it's a partner or someone in your family or someone even that you work with, that are telling you lies about yourself, that are encouraging you to not feel good about yourself and to not have hope. What can you share with them to help them to make that move today? Oh, my goodness. First of all, if you're a woman and you are in an abusive relationship, Please know it's not about you. It's not your problem. It's not you. He has a problem because what happened is this. The most cases, the, the person is already has low self-esteem, is insecure. So what they try to do is to manipulate you, to let you think that if you get out of that relationship, you cannot make it on your own. Mm -hmm. So they put fear in you. They manipulate your mind. So I'm saying to the women today, from, from a woman like me who have been, been through abusive relationship where, where I was manipulated and told that I am nothing, I can never be anything, please get out quickly. Even though you'll be afraid, fear is going to come in. You'll be afraid, like, okay, what am I going to do? But let me tell you, if you don't get out, it gets worse. Mm. So take that step. Look within yourself. Look within yourself. Is it better to be in that kind of abusive relationship where your self-esteem is being turned down, every, I mean, it's being um, destroyed every day? Or is it better for you to just take that step of faith? Believe in God that he's your heavenly father. Believe in God that he's with you. Even if you don't have family support, get out. Look unto God. Open your mouth. Call on the Lord. Say, Lord, help me. Let me tell you, women, that no matter how weak you think you are, there is an inner strength. There mm. is an inner power that if you can just reach out within yourself, you will find out that you are more powerful than you realize. You are more strong than you realize. Whatever you do, get out and seek help for yourself. Don't mm -hmm. let anybody destroy whom God has created you to be. Mm -hmm. Very wise words. And I will say to add to that, that it's never too late. One of the things I discuss with other women is that they think, well, I've been in this marriage or this relationship or this circumstance no, no, no. for 20 years, and I no. say it's never, ever too late. At any it's time, never. we are all able to live out our purpose, to discover our purpose. We are all yes. able to be healed and yes. to find hope amidst our circumstances. So I love yes. what you've shared today, Victoria, and I love that you're sharing your heart so passionately with our listeners. How yes. would they connect with you to learn more about you and find out about the things you're doing? Oh, they can go on my website, Victoria Michaels. Dot org is spelled V I C T O R I A M I C H A E L S 
dot org or they can connect with me on my facebook page facebook.com slash pastor victoria michaels wonderful victoria thank you so much for being on the show today for sharing a part of your story and for sharing your heart i know that many women will be encouraged and inspired by your words and i really appreciate that you are putting yourself out there to not only live your purpose but to really Follow your heart and your passion of helping others, especially women who are in need all over the world, to be encouraged and lifted up and to know that there is hope and there is often a better way and they just need to seek that for themselves. Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate you.